0: So today we are talking to Kirsten Karchmer. She is a health tech pioneer and women's health expert. She's the founder and CEO of Brazen, and she is a leading women's health revolutionary committed to significantly improving the lives and clinical outcomes of women with PMS, menstrual cramps, PCOS, endometriosis, and infertility. And she's also the author of the new book, Seeing Red. And I read Seeing Red last night and really loved it. And I'm excited to have Kirsten on the podcast to talk about kind of her unique perspective about um, women's periods and how we can uh, really take control of, of them in a greater way. And I think it, it, her message really fits well with the PCOS Diva message. So very excited to have you, Kirsten.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm impressed that you could read the whole book in one night. I wish I could write it in one night. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, let's dig in because I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this.
0: Well, first, I would love for you to tell your story about how you came to help um, more than 10,000 women over the last 20 years to improve their, their health, menstrual cycles, and fertility. I think you have a
1: very powerful story. Oh, thank you. Well, it's been, you know, you know, as you know from my book, I sort of dedicated my book to those 10,000 women because I feel like they were my teachers. Um, I, I've been a reproductive acupuncturist for about 20 years. And during that time, I, I'm trained in Western medicine and in Chinese medicine. And during that time, I was really interested in what is real integrative medicine? What does it look like we, when we, not just like for me, if I get sick, I use Chinese medicine first. That's my first line of events. And then if I still can't, you know, I do a lot of other things. And then if I still can't get a solution, then I end up going to my physician. And, and other people will go to their physician first and then they can't find anything uh, that will work for them. They end up going to some alternative um, provider. But in my opinion, I wanted to know what is real integrative medicine where we take the best of Chinese medicine, of Western medicine, of mindfulness, of mindset, which I think those are different, I think we should talk about, of diet and um, and exercise and habits. And what happens when we look at those as one whole ecosystem and create solutions out of that? And this came from my own experience because when I was about 20, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was really sick. I couldn't walk at all without a cane and um, sleeping napping like four or five times a day, just to sort of make it to the day, and ended up going to an acupuncturist who essentially was feeling my pulse, and he said, he didn't know I had a cane, he didn't look at my chart, he said, oh, your pulses are so weak, and I kind of thought it was like truthfully going to a psychic at that time, um, that, you know, this isn't going to do anything, and he said, oh, your your pulses are so weak, you're so tired, and I said, oh, you know, whatever, everybody's tired, and, you know, he just wasn't, he was un flinched by my sarcasm and he said oh you cannot digest food and I said oh well actually that's true I had a really bad watery diarrhea like many times a day and I started thinking hmm how's this guy finding this from my pulse like this doesn't make any sense to me and then he said do you have muscle weakness and I just sort of quickly turned beavis and butth- butthead style and like looked at him like how did you know that and I said actually I have multiple sclerosis and he started clapping. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy. This makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. And I was like, how? What are you talking about? And what he said next was the beginning of just the, the change for me. So he said, you know, when you were born, your constitution or your body strength was really strong. And you were really robust. But I was a competitive gymnast and a competitive athlete my whole childhood and trained a lot. And he said, over time, you just kept working harder and harder and harder and harder and not listening to your body and working past your pain and working past your exhaustion. And ultimately, you know, you were born with MS, but it was latent. And so finally, the, around age 17, 18, 19, your body just ran out of gas and it gave an opportunity for your disease to surface. And now your disease is getting stronger and your constitution is getting weaker. And our job is to look at everything and make your constitution stronger than your disease, and then you should go into remission. And then that's exactly what happened. And that's what set me on the path of the work that I'm doing today, because I realized I ended up changing—I was a linguistics um, professor at the time, and I ended up changing careers, going to acupuncture college. And during that time, I started realizing like what that doctor told me that day is applicable to every condition, but in particular to every condition in women's health and that the menstrual cycle was this ridiculous feedback mechanism for our menstrual cycles that nobody's talking about, and that it's a resource that can allow us to have access to tremendous resources to take care of our own health and be less reliant on pharmaceutical surgeries and things like that. And let's be perfectly clear, I don't have any aversion to to any Western medical intervention. What I always want to do is, like, how far can we get without a pharmaceutical or a surgery, and then we have that in the back, like in our back pockets to solve those solutions that we can't solve with anything else. So it's kind of a long answer.
0: Yeah, well, I love that approach. And, you know, as I'm recording this video, I mean, this podcast, the pharmaceutical that that is prescribed for most women with PCOS, which is metformin, there's a scare right now that there is, um, you know, possible cancer-causing substance in, in some of the um, formulations of metformin. So, you know, the pharmaceuticals aren't, um, you know, without their downsides as well. And, and I, I agree with you that, you know, there's so much that we can do with lifestyle change um, diet, exercise, and and you talk about this in your book, which I loved. stress reduction, which sleep, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't talk about as being important for, you know, they kind of overlook the importance of sleep, Um, mindset and mindfulness, which I definitely want to talk about later in the podcast. Uh, And the, what you, I don't know if everybody caught what you said um, a little bit earlier about how our periods, you said are a fantastic feedback mechanism and i want you to kind of get into that and and help us to reframe you know our periods as uh and and you know our especially women with pcos our irregular periods uh as a a feedback tool to help us uh as you say in the book kind of biohack our health
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah well i think that you know as you read in the book i'm sure um when i found out that literally 80% of women were reporting to their physicians last year, just in the U S alone. That's like 82 million women reported significant and life interrupting menstrual pain and PMS, which many, many, many women with PCOS also have. Um, I thought, how in the world can we be in a women's movement? And no one is talking about this. These numbers represent epidemic numbers. And especially when you combine them with the number of women with PCOS, endometriosis, and infertility, we have like staggering numbers. And so I thought, why is no one talking about this? And so literally I traced it back being a formal cultural linguist. I was like, I'm going to use language and I'm going to look back to the beginning of written language and follow um, how we've talked about periods and how that influences how we think about periods today. And what I found was that in the first 1,500 years of written language, um, there was nothing there wasn't a single thing written about women or their periods, and um, and that was shocking to me. And then the first really sort of public um, documentation was in the Book of Leviticus, which said essentially um, some version of that thing is so um, vile; it's as vile as a menstruating woman or the devil. That's the first pronouncement about us as menstruators, and um, and then very shortly after in the third century, Aristotle said. Uh, women are the inferior species because they menstruate they are feeble. they only contribute the serum to reproduction. The men uh, contribute the seed which has the intellect and the spirit and I was like that is why we still think that we are inferior and we are dirty and we need to be sanitized and And that there is inherent suffering associated with being a woman. um, And that it's something that we just have to endure. And that's why I think the majority, I can't tell you how many thousands of women, you know, tell me, oh, your menstrual cycle is just a curse. And I would say, you know, my work is to help people with periods understand actually your menstrual cycle is an instrument of unfair advantage over men. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because every month, Like you can, you can find, like you can read my book and you can get some ideas about what to do for your PCOS and you can talk to you Amy, and get ideas about what to do. And the reality is, is that if you're really hacking, some are going to work better than others. There isn't, there just isn't a magic pill for all of us, for any condition, whether it's PCOS or multiple sclerosis or endometriosis, that your body has very specific needs. And if you, if you relate with it as an experiment and you watch what happens in your cycle, you can, you can split test to see like, Oh, well, I took out gluten. What happened to my, every single piece of my menstrual cycle? Oh, I went vegan. What happened to my menstrual cycle? What happened to my blood over a couple, you know, a couple of months, you want to look there because blood will take um, a longer time to change. And then you start to change the relationship with your menstrual cycle in that, Oh, my menstrual cycle is just, giving me information, and if your menstrual cycle is super out of whack or your PCOS is really, really bad, then your body is basically screaming, like, I need a different kind of care. Mm -hmm. And if you can approach it from that, you can approach it with self-love. Yes. As if it was your child or your niece or your little cousin, and they're like, I need something. And you're like, baby, get in my lap and come here, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what you need, and I'm going to get it for you. As opposed, like right now, what I see with so many women with PCOS are really at odds with their bodies because they can't lose weight. They can't control the acne. They can't control the facial hair. They feel really powerless. They're not ovulating. They feel like something's so broken. And that, like we were talking about it before the podcast, that's what starts to create this mindset around it that then makes it even harder to change anything.
0: Yeah. I think you get stuck in this victim place where your body has betrayed you. And I think that using your period, again, as you describe a fantastic feedback tool, is is a great way to change that dynamic and that relationship. And I also want to second your, your comment about how there's no magic pill, there's no magic bullet, and that Everyone, you know, every woman with PCOS um, is unique and there isn't one size fits all approach. Um, And one of the examples that you give in your book about using your period as a um, feedback tool is going vegan. And a lot of women ask me, you know, is, is vegan the right way? Is the keto diet the right way? Um, you know, eliminating gluten or dairy, as you mentioned. And I think that your advice of trying it for a few months and then looking at your period and see, um, you know, is it, are you becoming more regular? Uh, and, and, you know, I think some good information in your book was, um, you talk about different types of, like, what, what should a perfect period look like? Because I think that gives you some more information on um, looking for that right feedback.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I always, I hate the idea of having sort of the right, the perfect, the, you know, the whatever, because I think that as, as women, we just are just stuck in this um, crisis of trying to be right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like to try oh, yeah, to be skinny that's enough. Oh, yeah, that's probably not and the I right pretty word. Enough. But, but, but I don't what should go, you I don't move know
0: towards, better. maybe? What What do you want to yeah. start moving no, towards?
1: No, I'm just I, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know a bet. I, I say the same thing, like the ideal, the optimal, the perfect, because it is, it's the one that you want to shoot for. But I did just want to add that caveat that, you know, I think we have enough of trying to be something that we're not, and that is not this. We have to remember that if you look at health through the lens of Western medicine, their job is to look for disease states and intervene with a variety of interventions, but primarily with pharmaceuticals, surgery, you know, there's a few other tricks. And if you look through it from the lens of traditional Chinese medicine, we're not looking for a disease, we're looking for anything that's outside of optimal and then trying to understand how each of those symptoms are related to each other and then deliver a, a, a solution that gets to all of it such that the side effects, so say if you're an instead of using metformin to try to regulate ovulation, we'd be like, well, what are the situations in which whatever, what has to work so that ovulation will occur regularly? And let's fix those things and see what happens to ovulation. And then instead of having a once a month, ovulation because of the metformin, you fix the underlying problem that was causing the anovulation in the first place. And much, much, much more importantly, this is the, my biggest takeaway for this conversation, is that you have to remember that um, having PCOS increases women's risk for diabetes, significant risk for diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and some estrogen-dependent cancers. And um, that doesn't mean that that's something that you have to worry about, But it means that beyond just trying to have a regular cycle or lose weight or improve your, you know, if you're having acne, that this is an investment in your future long-term health to prevent you being one of the statistics of the one who has PCOS who gets those diseases. And so that means you have agency, right? Like I have hypothyroidism. And so not as serious as PCOS, but kind of a pain in the butt. But but the medication that you take for hypothyroidism, and because a thyroid regulates calcium, we're at significant risk for osteoporosis. And so what that means for me is I don't have to, not just like not sleeping, worrying about having a hip fracture in my 60s, but what it means is I'm hypervigilant about my diet and vitamin D because I know that I'm at risk. And so I want to be sure that if I'm going to take any extra steps in any direction, that I'm going to protect my bones at every cost. And the same thing with PCOS. And now I can't even remember what your question was. Oh, the perfect period. Okay. So the perfect period, this came out of, you know, working with 10,000 women and realizing like when they came to me, they were trying to get pregnant. What I knew was that the more that I could optimize their menstrual cycle and their habits and diet and all those things we already talked about, the more likely they were to have natural pregnancy. And what I found was that this particular menstrual cycle presentation was the one that when, when People's periods look like this. They get pregnant in a very high degree. In fact, in our clinical trial um, in women 35 to 41, when they even got 60% of the way to this ideal cycle, they increased the likelihood of getting pregnant by 274%. And that included women with PCOS and endometriosis and a host of other problems in addition to infertility. And so the ideal cycle is 28 days long, be late on cycle day 4, 14, have good cervical discharge, so it looks like egg white, stretchy and clear, for one or two days, Um, having no PMS whatsoever. That means no bloating, no breast changes, no um, acne, no mood changes, no fatigue, no insomnia or anxiety. Uh, And then once you start your period, having um, four days of bleeding, soaking a tampon or pad every four hours, not more, not less, no cramping, no clotting, no spotting and having basal temperatures that average around 97.2 in the first 14 days of the cycle and 98.2 in the second 14 days, so ovulation and menstruation. And so that's what you're shooting for.
0: And can you comment about the color of the blood too?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, fresh red. Right. So, so, you know, the color of your menstrual blood can tell you so much about sort of what's happening. So the, you know, what you'll see is that often women who are eating a, vitamin, a vegan diet, because it's very hard to get vitamin B12 if you're not eating any animal products. And it's, it's necessary to make blood to have B12 in your diet. And as we know, supplementation is never as good as food. It uh, just doesn't even matter how high quality the supplement is. And um, and so, like, those women will often have more watery, pale, scantier bleeding because it's just not – um, there's not enough nutrients to actually build a ton of red blood cells. So I, I thought that that was really interesting. You do a nice job in your
0: book um, kind of breaking that information down, the, the different type of um... – color blood that you might see, uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of women with PCOS talk about having, and I know I did when my PCOS was not um, managed, I had a lot of breakthrough brown bleeding in my
1: cycle. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could comment on that. So anytime that you're having, you know, any kind of brown, purple, black bleeding, typically what's happening is, is that the lining isn't being effectively released. Mm-hmm. So when you see like the basal body temperature charts of women with PCOS, often their, their temperatures will be quite low. So instead of in the first 14 days being 97 too, for most women, the problem is the temperatures get too high, but for women with PCOS, their temperatures will often be in the 96s. And even after ovulation, if, if there's much of a surge, it sometimes won't even get to the 97s, much less than 98s. And you know, you think about it when you're cold, everything gets constricted. So if I take you and put you of those cryo tanks, right, where that like, like freezes you for three minutes, um, what happens to your body? Everything constricts. The blood vessels constrict. You bring your arms up to your chest and you're like, oh, I feel so cold. Even your vocal cords get tight. And so when your body temperature is a little bit low, even the vessels, the blood vessels start to constrict a little bit, which then inhibits the blood flow through the femoral artery, through the uterine artery through the blood supply to the uterine wall. And so then the blood is, is you know, it's a Chinese medicine, serum, sort of gets stuck. And so instead of being fresh red and flowing, it gets more purple, it gets more brown, and then when it's time to discharge it during menstruation or between cycles, if you're having breakthrough bleeding, um, that blood is old and stuck because of that lower body temperature. Mm-hmm. so part of, so like while there are great herbs in Chinese medicine to dissolve all that dark blood which is I don't know how else to resolve that um, the the actually like getting to the root problem is identifying is there actually a problem with temperatures being too low and helping raise the body temperature that can be profoundly game changing because as you raise the temperature you actually start improving the metabolism your body temperature if you think about it is your spark plug and if your temperature is really low your spark plug doesn't have a great spark to it and in order to catalyze food into energy you need fire so just just like if you went and got a maserati today but you went to walmart to get your spark plug and it was an old walmart spark plug the car is fantastic You've about high octane gas gas and it means you're eating a great diet but if the spark is low you can't catalyze it into energy and you can't use that to make blood
0: so you like to raise body temperature with the help of chinese herbs
1: i do so- I do. I don't know how to do it any other way. There's a few okay. things that exist. There just isn't another way to do it.
0: So when you work with your um, patients, do you uh, prescribe like a unique combination based on their um, issues? Or do you have some formulas that um, can help specific uh, groups of symptoms like, say,
1: PMS or, or endometriosis or PCOS? So I'm actually not seeing um, cl- uh, patients anymore except for some consulting patients. Um, I'm mostly working full-time at Brazen, and the reason for that is because seeing patients one at a time, I can't help that many women. Right. And so I started Brazen to, you know, create an opportunity to to be a trusted resource for women across their entire reproductive life cycle, and um, and we entered – um, our first products are just two of the formulas that we use for the last 20 years for PMS and cramping um, where that brazen is a super young company. And, um, and so in January one, for me, it's funny because I'm always like, well, there's not a formula for anything. Like when I would say, there's not a magic pill, there's not, those formulas work really, really well to improve the symptoms while you're working on the lifestyle part of it. But in January, maybe mid January, we'll actually start our new program in which um, you can use our app and give us all the information about what's going on your with your your period, and we'll customize a formula for you and ship it to you. Okay. The, we'll the more other... like real tra- medicine, right? And right, then right. On, you ha- change your formula.
0: Mm. So some of um, your recommendations that in your book, you talk about um, – as we mentioned, diet and lifestyle, exercise, um, sleep. But an important part of your protocol is mindset, which I love, (laughs) because I talk a lot about that um, in the work that I do. And um, my first chapter of my book, uh, Healing PCOS, was Think Like a Diva, because I think it's so important to shift your mindset. And you post a really great quote in your book, where the mind goes, the body follows. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really resonate with that. Um, I want you to uh, maybe talk a little bit more about why you love mindset work with um, women who have period issues.
1: Well, I, I love my, my whole mission in life is to democratize access to health, which means like, how do we use... What are the resources that we need to hack the ability of of individuals to help themselves to have optimal health? And um, and so it's like in Chinese medicine they, they have this statement of fact they say the good doctor treats the patient, the great doctor treats society, and the master makes herself obsolete. And so if I'm working through that lens, that's sort of a you know a value for me. If I'm working through that lens, I'm always like how do i make myself obsolete so even if i'm customizing formulas for people around their cycles and their pcos and their endo and what you know whatever else that still is i'm treating society sort of using technology but mindset is the way that we make ourselves obsolete because our mind is much more powerful than anything than we can put in our bodies and if our mindset is working against us it will significantly impact and impede our ability to heal so an example of that is that like working with women with PCOS or endometriosis or, or even with my own health when I was still really sick when I was younger it's really easy to engender a mindset that I am sick that I am broken, that I can't get well. Like I'm trying everything and I can't get well. And you might be doing a lot and you're not seeing progress and then that can be really frustrating. And then what happens though is if that's what your sort of internal mantra is, then your subconscious is looking for evidence to prove that. So even though say you are, you know, really trying to reduce your carbohydrates to help, you know, regulate your blood sugar metabolism, and that should work for most people, like for many, many women, that's the first step that can make an enormous difference in, in their PCOS symptoms, but it's just not happening because honestly, you've been sick for so long that all you can see is when you wake up in the morning, you're like, God, I have more zits on my back. This is so gross. I hate this. Or I can't seem to get like, you know, the hair that's on my belly to like, you're waxing it, you're electrolysis, it keeps coming back. And so instead of focusing on like, actually, my energy is getting better, and I'm losing a little bit of weight, and, um, and I, I think that I felt some ovulation pains, you, your mind has a choice whether you're going to focus on what's working or what's not working. And, um, and the first step is to at least identify two things. Um, what do you think about the most during the day? And then what is the emotional state? that you predominantly live in and you know the easiest way to do this it's like doesn't cost you anything because i love doing free things is just put a timer on your phone for a reminder for 12 o'clock in the lunchtime dinner time and before you go to bed just a chime and when that goes off just take one minute and ask yourself what have i been thinking about since i woke up and it's going to be your work or your kids or whatever you were doing if you're having fun on the weekend oh you know, I volunteering at my school. And, but then the trick is to ask yourself, and what was I feeling as I was thinking about those things or as like, Oh, I was worried that I wasn't going to get it done. Or I was worried this, or I was mad or I was depressed or I was um, anxious about it. And what you'll see if you do this for a week or 10 days is that about 80% of your day is spent in a particular emotional state. And those emotional states are typically how you evolved since you were born until now to survive, right? And um, but we have to remember that those those emotional states, each emotion, every time you feel that emotion, triggers a chemical, you know, stimuli in your body. So if you get really scared, right, you you dump a bunch of adrenaline in your situation in your into your body, and if you do that all day long, if you get afraid, 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 adrenaline, 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 adrenaline. Over time, you start your body starts being addicted to that stimulus, and so when you're not afraid, your subconscious is wandering around, going, "Hmm, what should I do to create a situation where I can get startled or I can be scared so I can get some more adrenaline?" And especially for women with PCOS, this is terrible because adrenaline—you know—the downstream for that is cortisol. The downstream from that is belly fat the downstream from that, not from belly fat, from the cortisol is inversely low progesterone levels, which we know is a problem in PCOS. And so, you know, so many people say like, you just need to have like say an affirmation five times a day, like I am whatever. And I'm like, it's kind of bullshit because if, if 23 hours a day, you're saying emotionally like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you're, or you're pissed off or you're whatever. And just for five minutes a day, you're having a mantra of something positive, that negative habit will always win. But as you start to become intimate with like, oh, fear all day long, then you can start to saying, okay, well, that's my habit. This is from Joe Dispenza. He's like brilliant. If that's my habit and it has been my habit, it doesn't have to be my habit tomorrow. And so if I was going to create Oh, a state in which I want to be addicted to. So if I don't want to be addicted to fear, what positive thing would feel good to be addicted to like gratitude or mm-hmm. genius or joy or whatever floats your book and it can change every single day. Then you start thinking like, Oh, every time I, something happens, how does a person who is full of joy react to that situation? Even when somebody's like pulling in front of you, on the highway and almost causes an accident. You want to be like, you bastard, get out of my way, right? That'd be a normal reaction. But I don't know if you've ever seen, like, if you're around somebody who's really, their heart is really, like, not inauthentically, but, like, truly, they're just really joyful. They're like, oh, my gosh, that guy is so crazy. He almost killed us, right? And it's like, and so you just start practicing. And each time you do it, you start feeling like, oh, I felt it. I felt that other dump, you know, And and yes. I think it's so well, I loved what you, you said
0: and as I'm, I'm listening, I'm thinking I'm definitely a worrier, so it's fear, you know, I and if once there's something mm-hmm. that's kind of um been taken care of, I find the next thing to worry about. Um so I've found that gratitude helps me break that cycle, but I think you're right about just saying affirmations without the feeling piece is not all that effective. Yeah. You have to get in touch with that sort of opposite feeling. Um, and, you know, I, I love the idea of becoming aware first. You have to, I think, setting your alarm on your phone to see what, what are those predominant feelings that you're feeling throughout
1: the day. Um, great advice. Yeah, because they're, they're habits if you had – I mean, and the trick is to um, be gentle to yourself and remember that however old you are, you've been having this habit for mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 years. And untangling it is going to take some time and just attention. And so you just have to make it a priority to put on your calendar treat and remind yourself a lot to keep checking in what's my emotional statement and, and keep reminding yourself, keep inventing like what – do I want to be addicted to? And I like what you said about, you know, people will say, oh, well, when they do their gratitude practice, if they're doing one, they'll say, okay, well, I'm really grateful for my kids and I'm really grateful I have a great job. But you can tell that it's in their head. And what you want to do in order to addict yourself to gratitude is you have to get present to the feeling of gratitude in your body. Like I have a little five pound chihuahua that I love more than just about anything in the universe, except for my children. She is just the sweetest little lady. And when I do my meditation every day, she always comes and gets in my lap. And what's funny is she sits perfectly still the whole time. She just does not even move at all. And at the end, I always just look down to her And I feel so much gratitude. I almost want to cry. And that seems so stupid, like it's just like your little dog. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. you are just such a blessing in my life. And I just feel – and so I use her as my entry into feeling gratitude. And then I start thinking about other things like what beautiful work I get to do and what a beautiful home that I get to live in and how many amazing, beautiful people are in my life, and so on and so on. And so sometimes you have to find something that kind of sucker punches you to get you into, like, the, the the heart space, as opposed to just, like, making a list, like, I'm thankful for this chocolate cake that I had for breakfast, and really, like, wait until you put the chocolate cake into your mouth, and you're like, dang, that tastes so good. And then you're like, oh, I feel so grateful for this. And that is where you start the addiction process to the right thing, except for the sugar.
0: No, oh, I love that. I, there was another powerful uh, story that you told in the book that I, you know, I, I, I when I go through a book, I underline and star and um, I have about five stars next to it and it's the candle story. And I'm going to kind of let you take it, take it from there and just tell our listeners your candle story. I think it's very powerful.
1: Uh, yeah. I would love to tell that. This is one of my favorite stories because you know, like what we talked about before is so often we just think that mindfulness and mindset part is like the extra left part. And so many women that I've worked with for so many years, they're like, I'm like, are you doing the mindfulness? Are you doing the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. You know, it's like, you can tell it's just not. And so then I tell them this particular story and then that usually really helps inspire them to be mindful about their mind. And So I was at this, I don't even know where I was, it was a long ago, um, a workshop, and the speaker came up and he was talking about the power of your mind and things like that, he said, he goes, I wanted to start off this workshop with a meditation, and so I want everybody to get really quiet and just relax, and he's like, and what we're going to do is you're going to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, in through the nose, and I want you to light a candle right in front of you. And as you breathe in and you look at the candle, I want you to imagine that you're breathing in the most insidious bone cancer. Really breathe it in. I mean, and as you exhale, imagine it's like wildfires spreading through your bones as you exhale, (sighs) bone cancer everywhere. Breathe in bone cancer. Breathe breathe it through all your bones, your ribs, through your sternum, through your pelvis. (sighs) through your femur all the way down breathe in bone cancer right he goes on and on and after not very many cycles somebody in the audience says "Uh, do you please stop (laughs) and he stops and looks up kind of like with a cute face and he says why and he goes I don't feel comfortable doing this and he said oh you don't feel comfortable doing this he goes raise your hand to the audience raise your hand if you this makes you feel uncomfortable doing this. And everybody raised their hand. They're like super freaked out. And um, he goes, why Why do you feel uncomfortable? And people were like, because you're going to get cancer if you do this. And he's like, raise your hand if you think if you do this every single day for 10 minutes a day that you would get cancer. And everybody practically raised their hand. And he said, that is so fascinating. He goes, tell me this. He goes, raise your hand if you think if you meditated for 10 minutes a day that when you breathed in, you breathed in perfect." that every cell with the light of the universe became transformed into perfect perfection. And as you breathed out, you spread that light through every cell, bone, tissue, organ in your body. And at the end of the meditation, everything was reset as perfect. You did that every single day for 10 minutes. Who believes that over time that that would actually happen? And nobody raised their hand. And he's like, isn't that interesting that we believe that we can give ourselves cancer, but we don't believe that we can heal our bodies. And for me, it was a gigantic sucker punch. I'm like, wow, the mind is really powerful because I feel like I just got bone cancer doing that. Like three seconds of meditation, not even, you know, 30 minutes a day.
0: I know. I mean, even reading that passage, it was making me really uncomfortable, <laughs> um, but, Painful. but I know, but then reading the flip side, um, I was kind of like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I do this work for a living and I do mindfulness techniques, but it's, it's easy to, um, to kind of discharge the idea of creating health with mindfulness. Why, why do you think that
1: is? I think that we're just, we're just, you know, we live in a society of doing and, um, and that that gives us value. The more that you do, the more valuable you are. And even, you know, you can see this with exercise. Like I would say the majority of, of women that I work with who are trying to improve their period and one way or the other or their fertility are over-exercising. There are some who aren't, aren't exercising at all, but the majority are actually over-exercising. And it's because we think if we just do a little bit more, you know, our parents tell us, like, if you just study a little bit more, you'll get better grades. Your boss tells you if you just work a little bit harder, you'll get the promotion. And But doing something in your mind, like thinking about something, is sort of like what idle people do. And, it, and it's like what fruity, spiritual guru people do, but it doesn't really do anything. But we have to remember that from a like quantum physics perspective, that our bodies are, and I'll get the exact numbers wrong, like 99.8888% energy and only 0.0002% matter. And if that's true, that means that everything is completely fluid, that our physical bodies are only just a millifraction, a millifraction of actually what it means to be us, which means that our minds can influence everything else profoundly and in a very, very short period of time. But until you're aware, I mean, for me, the takeaway from this conversation around mindfulness is just like, Just start becoming aware of your thoughts and your feelings throughout the day. And and over time, just to say, establish like currently my habit is to think about these kinds of things a lot and worry about, and and worry is my emotion that I feel. And then invent something new for yourself. Like now what I want to invent for myself is I I want to set aside time to think about the life I want to create for myself and the way that I would look if I was as healthy as I wanted to be and the actions that I would be taking and see yourself because we see ourselves taking the actions of going downhill all the time. Like, Oh my, you know, I'm getting, you know, it's getting harder and harder to regulate my cycle and my blood sugar is getting worse. And I'm I'm on the fast track to diabetes. And yes, you will be as opposed to every day I'm taking a baby step towards getting better. Mm -hmm. Like, One book you might really like, because I think you and I would probably like to read the same stuff, is Darren Harding's book, The Compound Effect Yes, that's a great book. I loved what he said, which I think is a great thing for us to you know include in this conversation, is that like, you are always compounding in one direction or the mm-hmm. other every single second of every single day. And that means you're either getting smarter or dumber. You're getting fatter or skinnier. You're getting healthier or less healthier. You're getting kinder or meaner. And if you are not taking action to move in the direction that you want, you're likely defaulting, compounding in the opposite direction. And that means that just like a little bit of mindfulness can make a huge direction i mean difference in the direction that you and your body and your mind take
0: yeah that's that's great advice to to sort of leave this um episode on and you know i I challenge everyone listening to uh, uh you know evaluate your thoughts as kirsten um you know, showed us how to do in this podcast. And then think about some small steps that you can take in the right direction um, over the over the week ahead.
1: And love that. And also and I really I want to say just to tag on to that is really like, and then take some time this weekend to dream about like mm-hmm. if I could invent my future way of being in the world, what would that look like? Like, down to all the nitty-gritty details. Like, when I do mine, I mean, I still struggle with my health, so I have to really stay on top of it. And, you know, like, running a startup is pretty stressful. Mm -hmm. And so I have to constantly, like, every day I meditate on, like, my body is in perfect health. And I imagine, as I'm doing my meditation, I'm imagining, oh, my brain, and it's full of light, like, every single piece of it. But I'm also imagining all the women that I get the opportunity to serve and make a difference where and I imagine when I'm doing that imagining I'm actually imagining those women. I'm imagining conversations like we're having now. I'm imagining like women sharing my book and saying like wow this will really change your life. I'm imagining my children growing up and having the lives that they want. You know, whatever whatever it is. And then also imagining like the feeling. Yes, I was that just you want to say feel. that. mm mm-hmm. Like, what is the, you know, what is the feeling? And it changes for me all the time. Like, mine sort of vacillates between just, like, being able to be in any situation in the world and feel joy. Mm-hmm. And just be like, it's kind of like that that song, Can't Touch This. You know, like, like I'm full of joy. Like, I, in, in my meditation, I say, I am pure joy and pure love. And I cannot act in any way that is inconsistent with that.
0: I, I often feel the feeling of expansiveness. And I think that kind of radiates out of my heart. And for me, it's kind of like, like not playing small and going into that fear-based sort of feelings, but opening up and, and living the life that I was meant to live without that fear-based or without PCOS holding me back. Um,
1: yeah, Yeah, because all of those thoughts, if you think of that, this is the easiest way to try to ditch them. They're flipping shackles. Mm. They are shackles keeping you tied down. And every single person who's listening to this has genius inside of them that we need. Yes,
0: exactly. And until
1: you are unshackled, you cannot serve the rest of us in the way that we desire to serve you. Yeah, when you're in that I am sick place. Or anything, if whatever is like my, you know, like I want to hopefully like help people to unleash themselves from whatever shackles are keeping Mm -hmm. them from having anything they want in their life. Mm -hmm. And so if you relate with those things, you're like, well, I know I shouldn't be worried so much. And you're like, that's a flipping shackle and I'm not having it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It changes the way you relate with it as opposed to, it's like, not that, you know, but do you imagine like I'm shackled to the ground because of that? Nobody wants that. And so it makes it easier for you to use your mind to get your booty in gear. Mm-hmm. I love
0: that. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that idea with my son. He's been struggling with some um, self doubt on the basketball court, and uh, you know, I'm gonna say that it, it's a shackle, and and um, you know, you've got to tell that shackle to go away yeah,
1: <laughs> and release need- itself. I know it's great. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I always encourage people to be like, be grateful for whatever is like, you know, I always say having MS was the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned what it meant to be a very, very sick person. And because of that, I did the work that I did in my clinical mm-hmm. career to get to today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was a shackle for a long time. But when you can say like, okay, you know, PCOS, you have really been a shackle for me and I have given you the power to shackle me but now I'm taking it back. Mm. I'm going to get liberated. That doesn't mean that you can cure your PCOS, but it can mean that you can live not feeling shackled by it. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry.
0: Well, this has been such a great conversation. I, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, if, I, I really encourage uh, Divas Listening to pick up a copy of Kirsten's Uh, Book Seeing Red, and uh, that's available on Amazon. Uh, And you also need to check out her her website as well. We will have it in the show notes. um, Brazen and and her um, different Chinese medicine formulas for for PMS. And um, I'm just so thankful for the work that you do, Kirsten. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Kirsten Karchmer Official and please, please reach out and ask questions and if there's anything that I can do to help you, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. So um, happy to help in any way. Great. And we will link that as well.
0: Okay, great. So thank you for, for coming on again and thank you to everyone who listened. I look forward to being with you again soon. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCUSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.